Bruchim Aboyim B'Shem Hashem B'Rachnuchem Eves Hashem Welcome to our Wednesday night cheer This year In contrast to last week's year Which was an honor Of Liba Bas Fuma Unfortunately tonight's year is Leila Nishmas Liba Bas Reb Shmuel <coughs> In fond memory of Luba she passed away on Monday evening today was her Levaya today was her funeral It was quite an amazing twist of a funeral. The general funerals, people crying and moping and mourning, screaming and yelling. And although she was a very, very young, 78 years old, everybody was at peace upon her bequest. It was what she would have wanted. And a very profound line was stated by the funeral. We are not mourning her passing. We are celebrating her life. (coughs) This was the attitude of everyone there, including the Nifteris, including Luba, who felt the same way. She would not want people to sit and cry and moan as she had told me only two weeks ago. She does not want people wringing their hands but rather she wants people happy. People feel satisfied with their lives and fulfill their lives like she did. It is of course very apropos and befitting that today, this week, the week of Pasha's Chayas Sara, which is the life of Sara, but yet discusses the passing of Sara Imenu, is a week that she ten- that she was chosen to return her soul. We will discuss Chayas Sara, the life of Sara. What Rashi explains, she was 127 years of age, was Sarah Imenu. And the reason that the Torah tells us the 127 years, why the Torah enumerates it as such, each one saying years, why Rashi, how Rashi will explain to us that she was at 127 she was each one a level that we will discuss later. Also tonight, <coughs> excuse me, is the eve of Chav Cheshvan, the 20th day of the Hebrew month of Cheshvan, which is a, very, a milestone in Chabad, being the birth of the Rebbe Rashab, the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe. 
which we'll also discuss the birth and somewhat a brief synopsis of the life of the Rebbe Rashab. Chaya Sara, the life of Sara. I believe I've told this story before, but it's a very relevant story, and I think it's very befitting for both today's funeral and for our Pasha Chayasara, of course. There's a famous story in the little city of Bardichev, which is a city in the Ukraine, not far from Kiev. A man had passed away, a man who was known to be very, very wealthy, but according to the opinion of many, was a miser. Is there a phone plugged into a charger here? A miser is a man that does not give charity, God forbid, that does not share, does not help other people when he's capable of doing so. And this man had such a reputation Needless to say, the man passed away. The Chevre Kadisha, the burial society, demanded a lot of money from the family. They said he was a member of this community, but never partook in being a member of the community. (coughs) Didn't see to it. To give back to the community and therefore they did not feel that he should be buried at a regular rate the family hearing this was very distressed and they went to the Rav of the city of Levi Yitzchak and they told Levi Yitzchak what was going on they told him that they're demanding an exorbitant amount of money to bury our father. And it's not fair. Nobody pays such money. When the Badichva heard this story, he called in the Chevre Kadisha, he called in the burial society, and he told them, what are you thinking? You can't charge this man a penny more than anyone else. And not only that, I want you to please notify me when the funeral is. For I will be attending the funeral. And lo and behold, word got out that Levi Yitzchak Badichev, the Rebbe, was going to attend the funeral himself. And everybody in the community came to the funeral. Coming home from the funeral, the people, the Chassidim, came to Levi Yitzchok and they said to him, Lassigashed, what happened? Why did this man deserve such honor? I said to Levi Yitzchok, You people don't know. You don't know what happens. I, he says, serve as the rabbi of the community. And when there's a 
dispute between people, they come to the rabbi, of course. When people, two people have an argument over something, money or something like that, they go to the rabbi. Sometimes I can listen to it and advise them, advise them myself. And sometimes I need to gather a bezdin, two other rabbis together, and we hear them out and we give our, we render our decision. <coughs> there were three occasions that this man came to me with Dinteris. On the first occasion, there was a wine merchant that frequented Berdichev. He came every week or two, and he would deliver wine to the people. And the people were very, very trustworthy. They were his clients. And so, he'd write down every week how much each person owed him. And once a month, he'd come and collect the money. It had come this day of the month that he was collecting the money. And he'd gone through a substantial amount of his clients. He had a nice, sizable amount of money in his wallet. And when he came to the next customer, the customer gave him money, he needed to give him change. He reached for his wallet and he saw that the money had been gotten, was gone. He lost it. And it was a tremendous amount of money. He was so shocked that he had lost his money that he fainted. But fainted almost looked like a heart attack. And they started to call doctors, and the doctors came in, and as they woke him up, as soon as he came to, he realized again the story that he'd lost all his money, and once again he fainted. And the doctors were in despair, and they said, there's nothing we could do for this man. Because every time he wakes up, he realizes his money's gone. He's, God forbid, going to die. Suddenly, this rich man was in the crowd, and he heard what was going on. And he heard the man lost a certain amount of money. They said how much it was. And he said, oh, oh, oh wait a minute, I found it. And immediately took out a bag of coins or of money. And he paid the bill. He gave the man exact amount. So when they woke him up, they said, okay, your money was found. You're okay now. He heard his money was found, he was happy, and he was able to come to himself. Now, as you might realize, my friends, he didn't find the money. But he did lose the money. Someone found it. <coughs> but the fellow that found it was visited by the Sahara, by the evil inclination. And the evil inclination told him, ah, 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 hold on, it's money. The guy can't prove it. Just keep it. Make hay when the sun don't shine. Enjoy the money. Nobody's taking it from you. Well, this man fell into the trap. And he didn't know what to do. But the money looked good. It was a lot of money. 
he was very excited. And so, he kept the money. And he held on to this money till after a few days he saw what happened. He saw how this man off the street returned this money and it wasn't his. He didn't find it. It was his own money he took out of his own pocket. And he said to himself, "Ah, I'm a terrible person. How could I hold on to this money when really it belongs to this man? This man who took it out of his own pocket. It wasn't even his, wasn't, he didn't find it, and yet he gave it to the man. So the man returned to the city of Badichev, and he came to this man's house, and he said to him, I found that money. I know you took it out of your own pocket. Here's the money. And the wealthy man said, I'm sorry. What are you giving me here? It's not mine. It's what do you mean it's not yours? Of course it's yours. You found, you didn't find this person's money, I did. But you gave him the money out of your own pocket. And therefore I need to give you back that money. And he refused to accept it. So the Badichava says they came to me to, for a din they came to me to see what should be done. And the rich man said, I saw the opportunity to save someone's life. I seized the moment and I saved his life. I don't have to be paid for that. I don't want to get paid for that. I want to keep the mitzvah. And the other man was screaming that I found the money and I didn't give it back and therefore I have the money. And the Badichava said, no my friends, I'm sorry. He does not have to take back that money. You gave him the money. That's all there is to it. And so that was the first dintera that I had with this man. I saw that he saved a person's life with a tremendous amount of money and refused to get paid back for that money. Even though he knew that it was the person's money that he could get paid back from. A second dintera was a, a, with a local member of our community. A man that Nebuch did not have any money, was a pauper. And he decided he wanted to go travel to seek his fortune. He wanted to go see how he could raise himself some money. So he told his wife, I'm going to travel to do some business and hopefully I'll bring home money. His wife went ballistic. You're not leaving me, you're a mishiga, you're crazy, I'm not letting you go. So the man sat and he looked and he thought and he thought of a plan. And he came up, he concocted a plan. He said, my dear wife, I was employed, I was taken, I was hired for a job. The person has his main office here in our town. And he's sending me to go work for him. And he told me since I work for him, I can send you every Thursday to his office to collect money.
Every Thursday you will collect your salary. And you will lack nothing. When I come home, in a few months, whatever it is, we'll be able to work here in the city. Well, a true Ashish Chayel, a true woman of valor, gave her husband her blessings, and as the husband departed, the first Thursday came and she went to the cashier and demanded her money. <laughs> Needless to say what he answered. He says, what money, ma'am? I don't know who you are. He says, no, no, my husband's supposed to get a check every week. He says, ma'am, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I don't know who you are or your husband. And now she started getting irritated and agitated. My husband's not a liar. He does not lie. This is not possible. You have to have my money. And I want my money now. Well, her voice got loud enough. And it reached to the inner offices. The inner office was the office of this wealthy man. And the man came out and said, Excuse me, what is going on here? And she stated her case that her husband went off to work for him. And he told her that he would get, she would get his salary every week in this office. How much did he say? And she said the amount. Oi! The man says to the cashier, I'm so sorry, I forgot to tell you. She's right. I did, the man ha- does have to get a salary. And so, every week, the woman came on Thursday and collected her money. However, after a few years, the husband became very wealthy. And returned home with his wealth. Preparing himself for this downtrodden, suffering wife. But he was going to make everything good for her. He was going to bring her tons of money. And as he arrives in the town. And he comes home. He sees the house. is beautiful. There's, few, there's food on the table. There's food in the the shelves children are dressed everything's beautiful and he's looking and he's trying to figure out and he says listen my wife things are now fantastic I am wealthy I made a lot of money and she said that's wonderful Baruch Hashem very happy and thank you very much for being able to hold me out for all these years and he said what? She says, what do you mean what? Every week I went and picked up the check like you told me to. You went to that man's office and got a check every week? He says, she says, yes. So the man sat down and he asked her how much it was. He calculated how many weeks it was, how many years they'd gone by. And he took out the sum of money and he went to pay back the man all the money that he gave his wife for the course of the years. Needless to say, the man said, I don't know who you are, sir. So what do you mean? You've been giving my wife a salary every week. He says, I don't know who your wife is. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want from me. Well, they came to me for a dintata. 
And when they came to me for a dintera, I again heard out the sides and again rendered the decision in his favor. He did not have to take back any money. And finally, a third case came before me. And in that third case, welcome, Glanta. In the third case, a man had fallen very hard on his luck. And he needed, he had a very big business proposition, but he needed the capital for it. He needed the money to invest in the business. And he came to this wealthy man and he said to him, Please lend me this amount of money because I need to set up my business. And the man said, Why would I lend you money? I don't know who you are. Who guarantees my money? And he says, The one that blesses and gives us everything, he is going to guarantee our loan. Which referred to, of course, God Almighty. And he said, and how long do you, will you pay it back? And he gave him a date when the money would be paid back. Well, anyway, my friends, you may understand that the date came and the date went and the man did not get paid back. About a half a year later, the fellow shows up. Thank you. at the rich man's home and says, okay I came to pay you back my debt and the rich man says, what debt? is the debt that you loaned me to set up my business, Baruch Hashem, it finally worked and I have the money now to pay you back and the rich man says, I'm sorry to tell you this remember we made up a certain date when you are going to pay me back? he says, yes he says, well, that came and went, right? He says, yes, I know, but it wasn't my fault. I wasn't able to pay it then, and now I can pay it back. So he says to him, my friend, the guarantor paid it back. Not just paid it back, paid it back with interest. Referring, of course, to God, God paid him back. The man says, that's not how it works. I borrowed, I got to pay it back. And they too came to me for a dintator. And this man adamantly said, I'm sorry, Rebbe. I lent him the money. He gave me a guarantor. On the day the debt was to be collected, I went to him. He didn't have it. So I went to his guarantor and he had it. And he paid me back every penny. I've been paid back. To which again, I rendered a decision. This man is right. 
he owes him no money. It's not necessary for him to take back any more money. He has been repaid with interest by the guarantor. This man, my friends, said the Badichava, is the man that we went today to his funeral. You may have known him as a miser. You may have known him as a person that did not help people, did not give money. But in his own way, he gave a lot of money to many people, helped them full-heartedly. And so this man deserved that the entire town come to his funeral. This week is Vashas Chayesara, discussing the lifetime of Sara. Rashi tells us, Vayu Chayesara, Meyeshana, Ve'esrim Shana, Ve'sheva Shanim. The life of Sara was 100 years, and 20 years, and 7 years. Rashi explains why does it say repeatedly, Shana, years, because at a hundred she was like she was twenty, and at twenty she was like seven. How does that work? And not only that, how does that affect our lifestyle? To this I would compare the Nazareth today, Luba Basrab Shmuel, Liba Basrab Shmuel. which I can almost say I had the honor of being able to say goodbye to personally, unfortunately to say goodbye in such a way, but as I stood up there in front of the hundreds of people that came to say goodbye to her, and I delivered what I would feel would be a goodbye speech rather than a eulogy, Whereas everybody else that spoke only spoke of stories that showed her demeanor, her good, her pleasant demeanor, showed her good life and good style, showed her goodness and kindness and showed her lovingness and showed how happy this woman was with life. So we'd like to uh, therefore explain this Pasuk, the life of Sarah Imenu, Sheva Shanim, at seven years old is the time when we begin to educate a child. <coughs> we educate the child from birth. When a child is born, we begin to educate them. And we try to educate the child every shrit and trit, every step of the way. A little child, as they begin to talk, <laughs> my 18-month-old, my 20-month-old, 20, 21-month-old already, granddaughter, who will say, Zaidi, I miss you. And she'll call me on Tango, or she'll call me on the phone, or she'll come to the house, and she'll say she wants something. 
And I will tell her, or her parents will say, what do we say? And she'll say, peas. She knows she has to say, peas. So we're already educating this child, in essence. And she knows how to say thank you. But at seven years old, according to the Alter Rebbe, Hilchas and according to the Shulchan Aruch Erechayim in the Tur, is when Chinuch begins, education properly begins. Twenty years old is the time that a person becomes a godl. The person becomes bishlemus, they are full. At that point, for those keeping score at home, the Gemara Baba Basra, 156 side A, discusses a concept called Meichen de Gadlus, where the mind now begins to grow. The mind is expanding to an extent that they can now grasp. They now enter to the world. And as they go out into the world, they embark on whatever they have to. They go after their parnosa. They go after their life dreams. And then finally, Mea Shona, a hundred years, we now complete our Aveda. As the Mishnah tells us in Pirkei Aves, at one hundred years of age. What does one want therefore to be? They want that the hundred years should be like they were twenty. That although they've completed their service in this world, whether it be actually physical one hundred years of age, or whether it be seventy-eight years of age. And they should now be belichet without a sin. Like they were in the beginning of their education, the beginning when they went out to the world, at the age of 20. However, to achieve that, to reach to that, first one must ascertain to be like they are seven years old. That although they are so bright and brilliant, and they have the meich and the godless, they don't have their own path to walk but rather they go like a child that's beginning Chinuch of seven, age of seven, that does what they are told to do. They do it in a simple form, in a full form. This is therefore the mission, the life mission of the person, the life mission that we learned also from this woman today. But interestingly as well, it says, on the 127 years of Sarah Emenu, Maroso Esther, Shetim Lechal Sheva, Esther Mumea Medinais. What did Esther Hamalka see? She ruled over 127 cities, lands. Elatava Esther, therefore the Medish tells us that Esther came along. She was the daughter of Sarah Emenu who died at 127 years. And because Sarimenu lived for 127 years, Esther ruled over 127 Medinas.
We need to understand this hint. The accomplishment of 127 years, the lifetime of Sarah. As we just explained in the words of Rashi, the 127 years were good years. They were equally good. The 100th like the 20th, the 20th like the 7th. Although nature doesn't dictate as such. Nature dictates that in the lifestyle of a person, we have our ups and downs. By Sarah, his entire lifestyle was equally good. There was no difference in time. She was 100, 127, 126, 20 or 7 years old. This equality is higher than nature. So too is the 127 Medinais the 127 lands that Esther HaMalka ruled over. The Bnei Yisrael were then at that time not in one place. They did not congregate in one city. But as Haman HaRosha said, They are dispersed. They are separate in 127 different lands. And therefore his decree, to destroy, to eradicate all the Jews from young to old. To be sent from all the lands of the king. And this decree was then sent Medina, Medina, each and every Medina in its language. And in its writings, received such a decree. This is the great pillar, the great shock, and also the great chiddush, <laughs> the great awareness that we come about from this. That although the Jews were spread throughout in so many different lands, the different languages, they were all equally good. All Jews were prepared to stand for Mesidas Nefesh. All Jews were ready to stand to die for the name of God. For as long as the Jews were in danger because of the decree of Haman Arasha, and this went on for almost a year, each and every Jew was ready to die for the Kiddush Hashem. Every day, every moment, every hour. Because every second they were ready to give up their lives and not to God forbid serve to a different God. Not only that, they did not even it didn't even occur to them to do so. And therefore the Medish compares this to one hundred and twenty seven years of Sada, which were all good to the 127 Medinas, 
where the Jews were spread out and dispersed, for they were all good. And as I spoke to Luba a short while ago, and she told me, I lived a very full life, a very good life. I am happy, I am satisfied. And she was ready to return her life, return her soul. On that basis. But we find similarly in the Pasha, that Avram Avinu now has become old. He's become older. He's aged. And he has aged. And the Klayaka writes that many Mepharshim, many explanations, many explanations, as we discuss in the Shir now, we only ask that people don't fall asleep until 10 o'clock so that we can continue our shear and finish at 10 o'clock I'm happy to hear that I just had to tell that to the person that was calling me The Kleyaka tells us that there are many, many Mephoshim that are shocked about this. Avram Vizara's Kainim, it says already in last week's Pasha, that Avram Vizara became old and they came into years. This was approximately 37 years prior to the Pasuk mentioned in our Pasha. So why now does it save Avram Zakim Babayamin? Now he became old. It said before that he became old 37 years ago. But the words Babayamim, the explanation, in a full sense, is to Bo. He came now. He entered into these days. And the truth is, there's a very in depth explanation to this. That the yamim, the days and the lifestyle that a person goes through, it's not just passing through, JPT, just passing through the lifestyle, going through the tunnel of life. Each and every day the person needs to complete, to do, and not only to do himself, but to impress on others as well to do. Until it is recognizable that what he has done and what he has accomplished. And you see it on the person as an accomplished person. As we see, not every person of 80 years old looks the same. You have 80 years old people that are never crippled and can barely walk with a walker or sit in a wheelchair and they're leaning over and it looks like their head's going to fall off. You have people walking behind them trying to catch it. That's disgusting. Yes. 
Then you have 80-year-olds that are driving sports cars with a convertible down. Sometimes they look that old, and sometimes they just look so young at that. <coughs> look now, because the people that have survived the Holocaust, the Kedoshim, that went through the Holocaust, after all the years of the Holocaust, and you have a 30, 35-year-old fellow that looked like he was 60, 70 years old, because everything affected him so severely. As nature dictates. The older a person becomes, the more the person goes through, the more it affects him. And there are those people that it doesn't affect, it doesn't catch up with them. Age, the age doesn't suit you, or the age doesn't look like it affected you, it doesn't have its grasp on you. So although Avram Vesadah's Canaan Boim Bayomim of 37 years prior, all that they had accomplished in the world affected them. But now the 37 years had gone by even more. We need to tell you again that these 37 years had even more effect that now they were Bo Bayomim, now they came into their days of age. Now you saw them, you saw their age, their age showed. We cut a tree open, we see how many circles it has. And so too, with the age of the person. Then you have the person that says, Elozah ben shivim shona. ben says, I am as if I am 70 years of age. At that time when he said that, Elizabeth Azariah was 18 years old. I believe we explained already when we explained the Haggadah what transpired and why they took the number, why he chose the number 70. Why? You have to reference the uh, archives. The simplest explanation was because he had the neshama of Shmuel Hanavi. Shmuel Hanavi died at 52. And he now lived 18 years, so 18 and 52 are 70. That's why he chose the number of 70. But he said he was like 70 years of age, and it meant in Chochmah, it meant in Das, it meant in the figurative speaking, but there are those opinions that said that he grew a white beard overnight, so that he could become the Nasi of Israel. So the person can all of a sudden, at 18 years old, say, I've amassed 70 years. So too, when we looked, I looked at this woman today at 78 years of age. She had accomplished so much more than a person could accomplish in their 120. She had reached out and she had touched the lives of so many more people. And the more people you talk to, the more you hear. But therefore the Rebbe says that our mission is to reach out and to add For the Pasik tells us that Avram tells his messenger Eliezer Go to my land, to my birthplace and bring back for me a wife for Yitzchak. This is the first emissary in Torah. And he was the emissary of Avram his name was Eliezer, his servant, and his journey was to Choron, 
And his mission was to bring back a wife. And this is what we learn from this Pasuk. The first Shlichus, the first emissary, takes upon the person, the person has to accomplish everything that they can. But it should be in a fashion of pru ravu. They should multiply the world. They should go out there and reach out to as many Jews as they can and cause them to do Torah and mitzvahs. And they should add more children to Avinu Sheba Shemayim. For those keeping score at home, the Gemara tells us in Sanhedrin, Daf Yutesamit Beis, 19 side 2, the Gemara says, Whoever teaches to another person Teda, it's as if he gave birth to that person. And just as Avram sent Eliezer his servant to Choron, Choron meaning the most severe place of the world, so too a person has the obligation to go out to the empty places of Torah, places that are void, devoid of Torah mitzvahs, to find another Jew and to bring them closer to the service of Hashem Yisbarach. Until so much so that the other person is so affected and brought so close to Hashem that he in turn turns around and looks for fellow Jews to bring them closer. And this is why when the Rabbi Rashab established the yeshiva, the Rebbe Rashab said he wants his Talmidim to be considered lamplighters that will go out to the world and light up not only the area around them but everyone in the area and not only light them up but light them up to an effect that they should now have a flame that they can give over to the next person. Today by the Leviah I stood there in front of several hundred people, as I said before, and I thought to myself, do we make an appeal? Do we, what do we sell here? I'm talking about a woman's life, person's life, so many years in the world, all her accomplishments. Why? What for? She's not going to get up and say thank you. She's not patting me on my back and saying how proud she is to hear that this is the opinion of people. So what was my message? And maybe I'm brainwashed. Maybe my mind frame is a little warped. But I said, ladies and gentlemen, I am reaching out to each and every one of you here today. I am asking... In the memory of Luba, who you loved so dearly, each and every woman sitting here today, and every woman that hears this broadcast tonight, or tomorrow, or Thursday, or Friday, should undertake for the next year, from now until the first yard side of Luba, to light Shabbos candles. Every Friday to light on time, women and girls should light the Shabbos candles, they should find the time of the day that they're supposed to light, and they should light by that time. And there were several hundred women there. 
And I'm not happy if I will hear that three of the women undertook it, five of the women undertook, ten women undertook. That would not satisfy me. And that is only because I go in the kayak of my Meshaleach, in the kayak of the one that sent me to do this message, which is the Rebbe. And the Rebbe would never be satisfied to hear that I spoke to several hundred women and only two or three said, okay. Because if I did that, that means I did not do it right. I asked the men to put on tefillin at least once a week. This is all I wanted, and this is all I want sincerely. And I'm therefore reaching out to anyone that hears this, and that will hear this in the future. Undertake for Luba, if you don't know Luba and you don't feel inclined to do it for Luba, take it on for the general populace of the Jewish nation, so that we should be able to have good years whatever place we are in. So that we should not be in every place that we are in. We should not be mefuzim, afeded, bein amim, spread out and dispersed amongst the world. But rather we should all be gathered once again together. And the women, the chokmas, isha, bonsa, besa, the chokma of the women that build the households, should be able to stand with their candle, the light of their candles, kindled in their hands so they light the way so that the great and beautiful light of Mashiach Tzidkenu will come before us, and the men will have their heyday, will have their mitzvah of tefillin, which will also, la'yehudim ha'isa'ira v'simcha v'yisasen v'yikar, and v'yikar zu tefillin, I'm getting a... Uh, a message, several hundred. Yes, there were several hundred women by the, by the funeral, and I anticipate several thousand people listening to this broadcast. As we have an average week, approximately 1,700 people, 1,500 people that download this year. So, I anticipate that at least that many people will be affected and listen and do this. And they will reach out, and they will follow the lesson of the Parsha, and the Merit of the Nifteres and the merit of Luba Bas of Shmuel, so that she will have a schus in this very mitzvah that the people will accomplish, the people will do. Need to refocus a little bit on the Pasha. We know the beginning of the Pasha of Ramavinu. I, I know I said I talk about Chav Cheshven, but it's a little difficult to squeeze that in tonight. I don't know why it should have been easier. Unfortunately, I did not manage to put in the proper due that the Rebbe Rashab deserves. Anybody wants to come join, maybe we'll sit down with brain and discuss the Rebbe Rashab's attributes. His forming of Yeshiva's Teim Chetmimim where he wanted the learning of Chassidus, of Nigla the Teda, Nista the Teda, blended one with another, where until that time people were learning only Nigla, Chassidim were learning Chassidus, the Rebbe wanted in Yeshiva that both should be learned, both should be prevalent, both should be important. 
and therefore they named the yeshiva, he named the yeshiva Temchitimim. And so obviously my shout out would also be an appeal for the yeshiva to help the Rebbe's yeshiva. Anybody wants, you can send in checks, it would be beautiful. You take credit card, cash, um, used shoes, <laughs> and of course used cars. Um, 1-800-CALL-CARS. Yeah, no, not quite. <laughs> we hear in this week's Parsha that Avram Avinu comes to Ephraim. And he says to him, how much do you want for this field? He wanted to buy the Ora, the cave, which was known as Mara Samachpela, which was already the grave of Adam and Chava. Bekesef Mole Yitnanali, give it to me full price, I don't care. Not realizing maybe that Ephraim was a pig. Because yeah. Ephraim says, Abame Shekel, 400 Shekel, a tremendous amount of money. And he says, What's 400 shekel between the friends? But the question, of course, is how did he throw such language? What does Beni Ben Chon, one of the Mepharshim, say? That Ephraim said, the middle letter in my name is Reish. Ephraim, Aleph, Ayin, Fei, Reish, Vav, Nun. The middle letter in your name is Avraham, Aleph, Vez, Reish, Hey, Mem. So you have a Reish and I have a Reish. That's the middle of our names. Reish, the value of the Reish is 200. My 200 and your 200 is 400. Arba meiz, beini beincha mahi. 400 is between me and between you. Between the two of us, the middle letter comes out to 400. Therefore he chose the number 400. Brilliant. Rashi tells us. Ashalim kol shavir. V'chem David Omar la'areno v'kesef moli. He will pay full price as David did also with Arena. What happened here? Why is Rashi telling us about David who bought the Kesef Mole as well? Here it says Kesef Mole. What does that give us more to understand that also David did the same thing with Kesef Mole? <coughs> The explanation, what Rashi saw that Avram Avinu felt, why he was willing to pay a full value, we find by Dover Amelech. Although he conquered Yerushalayim from Arena, and he now owned this because he conquered it, but still in all he refused to build him as Beach. Until he paid Kesef Moli. We see in Divrei Yom, it says, Kilei Esa, Asher Loch, Asher Loch Hashem, Vahalitz Elechinam. I'm not going to do this for free. David wanted to make sure that Arena did not even dream that he had any connection with this Mizbeach, with the altar. And therefore he paid full price plus to take away any merit, any connection that Arana might have had with this place. Although Arana had lost it, it was conquered. Fair and square, as you say. But he always thought, he conquered my land. He's living on my land, 
that he conquered, but they're leaving there because I, it was my land, really. The UN but now that he paid him for it, not yours no more. The UN was coming. And the same thing with Abraham Avinu, who to- was told by God Almighty that this is going to be your land. But he came to Kesef Moli. Because although Hashem said to him, I will give to your children this land, still in all he paid full price to Ephraim. Ephraim should not ever think, I made Avram rich, and I buried Avram, and I buried his family here, because of my merit. And therefore, we ask, Almighty God, on this day in the schools of Luba, in the schools of Sari, Menu, who we buried this week, in Ephraim, in the state Ephraim, in Marasamachpela, that the prophecy of a Kitsu, Vedaninu, Sheikh Neofar, the Sheikh Neofar will stand up, those who are dwelling in the ground will stand up, and they will rejoice, and they will sing, and they will march with Mashiach Tzidkenu. And the Rebbe Rashab, whose birthday is today, Chav Chesrin, should be Bereisham. And it should lead us all out of Golis this very night, so that we celebrate Chav Mar Chesrin in Yerushalayim, in Akedish, with Mashiach Tzidkenu, and Sarah Bas Shmuel, and also Sarah Imenu, Sarah, Bas Shmuel, and also Sarah Imenu, and Avram Avinu, Yitzchak Avinu, Yaakov Avinu, and the Imois, and we should be in Yerushalayim, in HaKadosh, Harabayis, Beis HaMikdosh, in Kadesh HaKadoshim, Shabbat Shalom to all.